Well, hello there, and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Tuesday. Today we're going to do something slightly different. In fact, it's quite different. It's Comedy, Variety, and Drama Day. I have chosen comedy, although <laughs> this is a show that some people love and some people don't like quite so much. I happen to think it's brilliant. It is the epitome of very subtle humor. There's no studio audience. There's no belly laughs. There's nothing but some voices and some very insane talk if you pay very careful attention to what they're doing. It's sort of a precursor to Seinfeld, which is not one of my favorite shows, but Seinfeld was always known as the TV show about nothing. Well, Vic and Sade was the radio show about nothing decades earlier. A guy named Paul Reimer uh, wrote this, and it's very, <laughs> well, maybe I should just let you hear it, and then we'll talk more about it. But we have two episodes today from 1939. It was a 15-minute show. It aired in the afternoon amidst the soap operas, and some people considered it a soap opera, although it's really not a soap opera. It's a comedy. But anyway, we have the episode from June 13th, 1939 and July 5th, 1939. So let's have you uh, settle in, and hopefully these don't bore you to tears. Hopefully you can appreciate the humor in them. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Here we go. Now get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Chris Goes, Vic and Sade. You know, I've been doing a little investigating lately. I've been asking husbands about their favorite cakes. Well, one of their favorite cakes is dark, moist chocolate cake covered with a thick fudge icing. They also go for the old-fashioned spicy kind of cake like uh, applesauce cake. Now, you're probably saying, what's this man up to? Does he want me to make more cakes? <laughs> well, I guess you can see right through me because I do want you to make more cakes, but... I want you to make them an easy way with new, creamier Crisco. Now, I hope you won't let another single day go by without discovering what a real help new Crisco can be to you. Why, it may change all your ideas about cake making. Because, you see, new Crisco is now made by the new gyro churn process, a million-dollar process that actually pre-creams Crisco. Yes, that means you can mix your Crisco, sugar, and eggs together in one operation. And, boy, your arm's going to be mighty glad not to have any hard creaming to do. And just look at that clock. See the minute you've saved. And when you open your oven door, what a cake you're going to see. Light as a snowflake, or I'll miss my bet. And when you serve it to your family, it'll melt away just like a snowflake, too. Now, I'll bet that right this minute, every one of you ladies who've baked Crisco cakes for years are nodding your heads. I'll bet you're agreeing Crisco is even grander now. And you're right, for the new gyro churn process beats, whips, and creams Crisco hundreds of times. So the new Crisco comes out creamier than... Well, almost creamier than anything you can imagine. Why, one grand cook, Mrs. G.J. Siebel of Long Island, says, quote, I'm a better cake maker than ever now that I'm using the new, faster-mixing Crisco, unquote. Well, that's right, Mrs. Siebel, and all you makers of coconut cakes, orange cakes, Lady Baltimore cakes, just try new, creamier Crisco. 
And you can also depend on it for tender pie crust and really delicious fried foods. Well, sir, it's a few minutes past nine o'clock in the evening as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mr. and Mrs. Victor Gook abiding quietly at home. They've been playing rummy for the last hour or so, and the game has begun to take on a sluggish, lackluster quality. Listen. I win. Let me see your cards. Yeah. Sure you win. Got three queens, three deuces, and a four, five, six, and seven of hearts. I lose interest in rummies after about so long a time. The spades start resembling clubs. You any quit? Would you just assume? <laughs> All right. Not much kick to the game when your opponent's half asleep. I am a little tired. Too early to go to bed? Courthouse clock struck nine about five minutes ago. <sighs> I bet I sleep so sound tonight you could send my undershirt to Detroit, Michigan, Parcel Post. Paper states showers sometime before morning. I hope they hurry along and cool things off. Oh. Deal out a few more rummies. Might as well be doing something. Okay. Kind of funny that Davis boy storming in here this evening, wasn't it? I've learned that there's nothing extraordinary in the most un-understandable behavior on the part of 14-year-old boys. Being the father of a 14-year-old boy, I'm tutored in all Here's the... Here's your 14-year-old boy now. Raj? Hi. Here's a beautiful bouquet of tickets for you, Charlie. Thanks. Hope I can tell the hearts from the clubs. The hearts are red, the clubs black. I mean the diamonds from the spades. After so many rummies, I get so I can't keep my mind on what well, I'm doing. Davis didn't disturb you when he came after rotten suitcase a while ago, did he? Not too much. Of course, I had to climb upstairs after. Well, it helped along the excitement. By George, I never enjoyed such <clears throat> high-class excitement in my life. What excitement do you have reference to, Sunburn? Center Street. Has there been excitement on Center Street? I'm discarding the six of clubs. I can use it in my business. <laughs> I beat your father three times in a row. And didn't Rooster explain? Explain what? About Center Street. No, what about it? Rooster never said a word. He come to the door all out of breath and wanted that big old imitation leather suitcase you borrowed off of his brother. Gov went after it and he grabbed it and was gone. Well, I'll be darned. Why? What happened on Center Street? A house collapsed. Ah, you telling the truth you don't know about it? We've been sitting here playing cards ever since around 7.30. Never heard no noise? Never heard no people yelling? Never heard a sound. Telephone hasn't even rung. Except for roosters storming in, it's been quiet as my thumb. Beats a Dutch. <laughs> House collapsed, you say, Temple Bells? Yeah. I collapsed one time myself. I was on the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio, where I just officiated at a wedding ceremony. After kissing the bride, I pocketed the $5 bill given me by the bridegroom and prepared... You know that place in the 300 block on South Center with the second-story porch that runs clear around the whole house? Has it got fragile hedgerows and morning glories and a solid gold belfry which catches the dazzling... Give me a show, Gov. That place collapsed this evening. Here's the nine of spades, Sadie. Yeah, I trust it you will be... You were talking some... about that big boarding house-looking place, Willie. Sure. It collapsed at 8 o'clock. What do you mean by collapsed? Fell down. Ah. Uh -huh. A great big mud. The whole thing didn't fall down. Just that second-story veranda fell down. But to look at it, you'd think the entire house had been hit by a cyclone. That's the truth? 
If it's not the truth, you can send my undershirt to St. Paul, Minnesota, cash on delivery. If it's not the truth... Was anybody hurt? Not a soul. And it's the luckiest thing since the bullet that choked Billy Patterson. Why, that second story ran weighs tons and tons. It crashed like thunder. Busted the first floor porch into smithereens. Broke every window in the house. There's chunks of lumber and splinters of wood scattered up and down Center Street for half a block. You're not exaggerating, are you? You're not making a mountain out of some trivial accident? No, sir. Hope to die if I've twisted the facts. Hey, why don't you people put on your hat and stroll over there? See for yourself. It's just like I say. Center Street is cluttered up with debris for half a block in both directions. Well, what happened? The doggone second-story veranda collapsed from old age. The pillars were weak. I believe that. Ruthie and I noticed the place just last week when we were walking past. That upstairs porch that circles the house was sagging in half a dozen places. Sure. It was bound to happen sooner or later. And it happened tonight. I'm surprised you individuals never heard the crash. Where were you when it happened? Standing out in front of the By Joe Picture Show. I was in the Society of Bluetooth Johnson. By George, we were in the 300 block on South Center in two seconds. Looks like we did miss some excitement. Missed half your life. Come on, slap on your hat. We'll go over there. Oh, it's all over and done with now. Probably still a crowd of people hanging around, though. No fooling. To look at that house, you think it got caught between nine cyclones. Uh-huh. Come on, Gov, you and me will hike the center street. I'd like to beg off, Arthur. It's too warm an evening to work myself up over a porch falling off a house. Okay. Certainly a good thing nobody got injured. Yes, indeed. I remember the place you're talking about very well. Just last week, Ruthie and I walked past. Seems to me she passed some remark. Look how that old upper story porch sags or something. Peculiar Rooster didn't give you the details when he come after Rotten Suitcase. Guess he was too excited. What was his big hurry for his brother's suitcase when there was so much free entertainment going on? Oh, gosh. I haven't told you about Rotten yet. What did Rotten do? Rotten Davis, Gov, had the most magnificent evening of his entire career. Oh, so? He made off to the crowd. It was his fault the house collapsed. Yeah? You should have seen him. He was running back and forth in front of the ruins, screaming. I lost my temper, he kept yelling. I lost my temper. Uh, yeah. You mean he was making a public spectacle out of himself, yeah. Five minutes after the big crash, about 200 people were on the spot. They didn't know what happened. They just saw this house all busted to pieces and lumber laying around every place. And here was Rotten Davis, tearing his hair and rushing around crazy. I lost my temper, he kept screaming. I lost my temper. <laughs> The people got the notion Rotten had lost his temper and torn the whole house down? Sure they got that notion. Oh, my. It was a magnificent thing to witness. The crowd opened up an alley for Rotten to run back and forth in. And he ran back and forth in it till who laid the chunk. I lost my temper, he hollered. I lost my temper and look what I've done. Remember now, the house looked like it had been hit by a cyclone. An innocent bystander guess it'd take nine men eight days to do that much damage. Oh, my. Rotten Davis seen his opportunity and grabbed it. He had that enormous throng of people in the palm of his hand. If he'd looked tough at any of them, they'd have started for home 90 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful, I tell you. If I had a boy that was such a smarty show-off, I bet hey, I'd... and Rooster worked hand in glove with him. Rooster deserves 50% of the credit for his brother's sensational hoax. I was going to inquire, what did Rooster want with the suitcase? Wanted was... it to take back to Rotten. It's all plastered up with foreign labels, you know. Foreign labels impressed the general public. Soon as Rotten got hold of that suitcase, he started running between the divided crowd of people with it. I told you they separated and left him space to run back and forth in, didn't I? Yeah. Made kind of a lane for him. 
Well, he'd run from one end of the lane to the other. When he got to one end, he'd stop and set down his suitcase. Then he'd give the people a chance to read the foreign labels. Nome, Alaska, London, England, Paris, France, Rotterdam, Holland, Brussels, Belgium, Stockholm, Sweden, and so on. All the time, he kept hollering he'd lost his temper and torn down a house. Then he'd pick up his suitcase and run to the other end of the lane. Do the same thing over again. I lost control of my temper, he screamed. I lost control of my temper and tore down this house in three minutes with my bare hands. His mother ought to take him by the coat collar. And let me tell you another trick he used to heighten the effect. He was wearing goggles. When he sent Rooster after his suitcase, he also had him stop by home and pick up an aviator's helmet and goggles that used to belong to some friend of his that owned a motorcycle. Oh, it was magnificent, God. Uh, Betty Joyce. Carrying his suitcase all plastered up with foreign labels and wearing an aviator's helmet on his head with uh, goggles pulled down over his eyes and running back and forth like he'd gone crazy. I lost my temper. I lost my temper. Yeah. For a boy that's almost a grown-up man, And I every think. once in a while, he'd holler to Rooster. Hey, he'd holler. How many bodies have they found so far? And Rooster, he was back in the shadows, would put on a deep voice and answer, Six so far. Seven so far. Eight so far. You know. <laughs> Ain't he going on 19 years old, Rush? Rotten? Yeah. Well, imagine a boy 19 years old behaving. Mom, he had the most magnificent evening of his entire career. I'd give him the most magnificent. Oh, and another feature that was dandy. Three young ladies he likes were in the crowd. Hmm? Three very handsome young ladies he's ambitious to escort to the picture show in places were present. I bet he's their hero now. Oh, boy. You seem to have had just about as satisfactory an evening as Rotten did. I had a delightful evening. Hmm. A delightful evening. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And there we leave Crisco's Vic and Sade until the next time. Now, while you're in your store today, why don't you get new Crisco, the new creamier Crisco that's made wonderfully creamy by the amazing new million-dollar gyro churn process. Bake a cake for supper tonight. You'll be delighted when you see what an elegant cake you get so quickly and easily the new Crisco way. Why, just listen to what one cooking expert, Mrs. Margaret E. Thomas, of New York City says, quote, It's amazing how easy cake mixing is with creamy Crisco. Crisco blends in a few stirs, cutting out all hard creaming. Yet Crisco cakes are as light as if made the old slow hard way, unquote. Now that's what one expert says, but let me add that hundreds of cooking experts use new Crisco. In fact, out of 753 teachers in public schools from coast to coast, nine out of ten of these teachers said, we use new Crisco in our cooking classes. So get new Crisco. Try it for cakes, for flaky tender pie crusts, for crisp golden fried foods. And don't forget to listen to Crisco's Vic and Sade the next time. This is Ralph Edwards speaking. Now get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Crisco's Vic and Sade. Telegram.
Telegram for Mr. Edwards. Telegram for Mr. Edwards. Here you are, son. I'll take it. Pardon me a minute, folks. A telegram here. Oh, it's a wire from Procter & Gamble. It says, uh... Say, this is news. Listen, I'll read it to you. Have just delivered 300 Crisco Cannon luncheon sets to Georgie Jessel's famous little old New York restaurant at New York World's Fair. Boy, is that something. And what a thrill for you women who are taking advantage of Crisco's wonderful new gift offer. Now think of it. New York World's Fair, the world of tomorrow. And right in the heart of it, Georgie Jessel's famous little old New York restaurant where stars of stage and screen, famous celebrities from many lands meet and dine. And now, a smart new note is added. Crisco's beautiful five-piece Canon luncheon set. The very same luncheon set many of you friends have already sent for. The exquisite five-piece luncheon set the makers of Crisco are offering you at a price that makes it a real bargain. You ought to see this tablecloth, folks. Really, it's a beauty. 36 inches square. And with it come four 12-inch napkins. Now, the set is made of a fine-quality, cream-colored, basket-weave fabric. You'll be proud to show it off because its peasant colors will give your breakfast, luncheon, or supper table that certain umph it may need. Now, why don't you plan to be the very first in your neighborhood to own one of these famous luncheon sets? Can't you just picture your friends dropping into Georgie Jessel's famous little old New York village at the New York World's Fair this summer and seeing the very same smart luncheon set you had on your very own table at home? Why, he'll be the talk of the town. Now, Crisco is making this offer solely in the interest of good food. Good food that you'll find at Georgie Jessel's World's Fair restaurant and the good food you can give your family when you cook the modern Crisco way. Big, luscious cakes, tender, flaky pies, delicious fried foods. Let modern, creamy Crisco help you to make every mealtime occasion a real treat. What a perfect combination. Delicious food on a gay and charming cloth. Now, your question is, all right, all right, how do I get one of these famous luncheon or breakfast sets, the kind they have at Georgie Jessel's famous New York World's Fair restaurant? Well, here's your answer. Now, listen to this. This is important. Just send your name and address, 50 cents in coin, and a Crisco label or wrapper, any size, to Crisco, Cincinnati, Ohio. 50 cents in coin. Your name and address and a Crisco label or wrapper, any size, to Crisco, Cincinnati, Ohio. This offer limited to the United States only. And please allow about two weeks for delivery. Now, for the life of you, don't miss out on this rare offer. Send for your Canon luncheon or breakfast set today before they're all snapped up. Well, sir, the evening meal has been over only a little while as we join our friends in the small house halfway up in the next block now. And we find Mr. and Mrs. Victor Gook and young Mr. Rush Gook enjoying a season of postprandial ease in the living room. Their serenity is short-lived, however, for Sade has just produced consternation. Listen. You don't Mom, mean to tell me that you want me to be going over there and hauling Well, it's 190 degrees in the shade. I'd melt into a... You were joking all the time, weren't you? Not joking a bit. You well, mean to tell you me that you'd have me move Please, please. Person makes an innocent little remark and fellas jump out of their undershirts screaming like panthers. Then you were joking. No. You're serious when you suggest going over in Donahue's basement and carrying out two tons of coal? It's got to be done, hasn't it? Mom, tonight's the night the fat businessmen play handball down to YMCA. Well, you don't have to be there, though. <laughs> I was cute. 
Before I mentioned the coal, I said, what you going to do this evening, Vic? Mr. Vick said, nothing. I said, you got anything up your sleeve, Rush? Mr. Rush said, no. A very, very ingenious trap. Oh, what you say we don't bother going through a lot of talky-talk and stuff? What you say we slip into our overalls and take care of this little job? Your mother calls moving two tons of coal a little job. You don't have to move at all this evening. You're too kind, Sadie. Your heart is bigger than a tub. But I can't let you get away with so much generosity. I'll not only move your two tons of coal this evening, but I'll also paint the house and shingle the roof. Some fellas hate work like they hate a snake. Most fellas hate the idea of lugging coal around on a stifling hot day. It's not stifling hot now. The cool of the evening set in. Why, I bet if you glance at the thermometer, you'll know... <laughs> Rush, don't strain yourself fidgeting around. You're not going any place. Fat businessmen are playing handball down at the YM. Fat businessmen down at the YM never entered your noodle till I mentioned coal. Fat businessmen down at the Don't YM. Don't you and your father's overalls. Kiddo, let us leaven our good impulses with common sense. Before we plunge into some rash course of action, let us consider and reflect. Now, you know Skip yourself right. that... Overalls? Yes. Cellar way? Yes. Fat businessmen down at the Wait, YM. Wait, Rash. What do you mean, wait, Rush? I told him to do something. Scoot, Rush. Bad businessmen down at the YM are playing handball and... Wait, Rush. After the mama's given the child a definite order. Getting back to the subject of Donahue's and their two tons of half-wit coal, may I humbly venture the opinion that summertime is no Let time Let me venture an opinion once. They moved away from Virginia Avenue, leaving that lovely pile of coal they couldn't take with them. They said they'd make us a gift of it. Coal is expensive, and here's a monstrous, big, beautiful heap of it we can have for nothing. Shall we let it go? I'm sure you'll agree with me when I say we're hardly dying for coal in the middle of summer. We've got a long time to wait before the wintry blasts force us to huddle near the furnace and blow our breath on our blue fingers. You'd wait till next December, huh? I'd certainly wait till dark days are over. I'd certainly wait Nick, until... Nick, don't the... you appreciate why we ought to get that coal in our cellar as quick as we can? No. Two good, solid reasons. Mutton Jeff, I suppose. Oh, heck, kiddo, let's Two forget... good, solid reasons. What are they? One is Mr. Erickson may rent his house any minute. If a new family moved in next door and took possession, what could we do? I bet you hadn't thought of that, had you? No, but I'd rather... It's true, isn't it? Could we go over next door in some strange family's basement and start carrying away coal? We could not. Why, the chief of police would be here on his motorcycle so fast it'd make your head swim. And besides that... My overalls that, are we... all wrinkled. What? My overalls are all wrinkled. Oh, how horrible. Now you won't be able to do a lick of work. Persons certainly can't accomplish anything with wrinkled overalls. Put them on. Mm. And let's not have any more nonsense. Give your father his. I don't want mine. Oh, yes, you do. You'd be black as the nine of diamonds in six seconds if you tried carrying basket loads of coal across the yard wearing basket a good... Basket loads of coal? Sure. You propose transporting two tons of coal by means of rotten little measly baskets? I don't know as they're so rotten or measly either. Their market baskets down cellar are substantial and hold a good deal. Why don't we use teaspoons? Be slipping the on, Rush. Oh, here. I got a cavity in my tooth. I'll use that to haul coal in. 
If disgusting little vulgar market baskets are good well, enough to haul... what would you use? A team of horses and a wagon? The coal has to be carried from Donahue's basement to our basement. Distance of about 15 feet. Surely you listen to a reason. Rush, get into them overalls. I'm not going to tell you again. The hand men playing fat ball down at the YM are about oh, to start... Oh, the hand men playing fat ball down at the YM. I mean the fat men playing handball. Fat men playing handball down at the get YM. Get in them overalls. You too, Vic. Actually, now, don't you think it's a little ridiculous to waste all this time? You got no plans for this evening. All you do would be go sit out in the porch swing. Couple of hours of good wholesome exercise would do you good. Getting dark. Can't work in the dark. Drowning man grabbing for straws. What? Nothing. You won't have to work in the dark. Soon as it gets dark, you can quit. You said there was two reasons why it was necessary to hurry up and break my back after a hot, miserable day lugging coal around like a slob of a half-wit hippopotamus. Yeah, two reasons. One of them is Mr. Erickson might get his house rented any minute. Might get it rented tomorrow. If that happened, we'd be out our lovely two tons of coal. What's the other reason? The other reason is I'm pretty sure Mr. Erickson is helping himself to that coal himself. Yeah? Yes. I'm pretty sure there's not a day goes by, but what he don't stop by and get a few chunks and carry him off home in that big satchel of his. Yeah, they're far-fetched, don't you think? It's Miss Donna who suspects him. She told me yesterday the pile had dwindled something fierce. And don't that sound like him? Why, if he's coming every day and helping himself to a chunk of coal and sneaking it away in his satchel, it won't be very long. Telephone is ringing. See who it is, Rush. Probably Bluetooth Johnson. Well, if it is, don't get in any long, drawn-out conversations. He probably wants me to go down to the YM and watch the fat men play handball. Oh, hand men play fatball. When I said hand men play fatball, I naturally was confused with fat men. Play that... handball, yeah. Answer the phone before the party hangs up. Oh. Oh, hello, Miss Dembottom. Just fine, thanks. Five hundred? Yes, yes. Sure. Miss Dembottom, ma'am. Uh, tell him to come right over. Well, if you people plan to indulge in cards, why can't I proceed on down the YM and witness the... The hand men play fatball. Get out of the way. Tell him to come right on over. Be putting on your overalls. Hello there, Third Lieutenant Stanley. <laughs> Uh, no, finished supper ages ago. Just sitting here with our teeth in our mouth. Uh-huh. Why, say, that sounds fine. Sure, the big muckety-muck says wonderful. Tell him to come right over. Why don't you do that? We'll be here. Oh, sure. Yeah, all right, we'll be looking for you, lady. <laughs> you bet. All right, Ruthie. Goodbye. You coming right over? Oh, coming right over. It's not 6.30 yet. When are they coming? When they usually come. Around quarter to eight or kind of halfway in around two there. Call back and say we'd like to get an early start. Say Victor wants to get up early in the morning, and if it's all the same... Now listen, you Mm. boys are going to move that coal. Mr. Erickson might get his house rented any second, and we'd be out our lovely heap of coal. Will oh, you please tell me how I'm going to be loving coal and say it's not in Go down cellar and get the market baskets, and then skip on over to Donahue's. Put on your overalls, Rush. 
Mm. Put on your overalls, babe. Mm. And then run along. Mm. <laughs> I'm a lady with lots of responsibility. I've got two little boys to look after and watch over. Two little tiny helpless boys. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And there we leave Crisco's Vic and Sade until the next time. Now, I want to repeat the exciting telegram I read at the beginning of today's program. It's from Procter & Gamble, and here's what it says. Have just delivered 300 Crisco Cannon luncheon sets to Georgie Jessel's famous little old New York restaurant at New York's World's Fair. Now, for a limited time only, and solely to induce you to try new creamier Crisco, Procter & Gamble is offering these lovely five-piece genuine Cannon luncheon sets at a price that makes it a real bargain. Now, these smart peasant-type luncheon or breakfast sets were made up exclusively by Procter & Gamble by the famous Cannon Mills. The tablecloth, 36 inches square, that's also bridge table size, you know, and the four 12-inch napkins are made of a fine-quality basket-weave fabric in a distinctive three-tone stripe design on a cream-colored background. Their gay peasant colors will suggest many smart color schemes for your breakfast, luncheon, or supper table. Now, here's all you do to get one of these handsome Canon luncheon sets that you will find at Georgie Jessel's famous little old New York restaurants at the New York World's Fair. Just send your name and address, 50 cents in coin, and a Crisco label or wrapper, any size, to Crisco, Cincinnati, Ohio. This offer limited to United States only. Please allow about two weeks for delivery. But send for your Canon luncheon set today. The supply is very limited. And don't forget to listen to Crisco's Vic and Say the next time. This is Ralph Edwards speaking. Notice the announcer on that, Ralph Edwards. That's the same Ralph Edwards, the very same Ralph Edwards who went on to uh, do This Is Your Life and uh, Truth or Consequences and all that stuff uh, Many years later, he started out as an as an announcer, and Vic and Sade was one of the shows that he announced on. Billy Idelson, who played the son, Rush, Billy Idelson became later, much later, of course, a writer for the Dick Van Dyke show, the Andy Griffith show, and eventually the producer of the Bob Newhart show all throughout the 70s. And... Um, uh, Bill Idelson grew up in the business. His first role on radio was as um, Rush on Vic and Sade. He and many others were part of a club in Los Angeles called the Vic and Sadists, and they met on a regular basis in the 1970s, and Bill Idelson would regale the attendees with stories of doing the show Vic and Sade. And some of the more famous attendees on a regular basis were science fiction writer Ray Bradbury and, for you children's shows fans, Mr. Rogers of the Mr. Rogers television show. And many other Hollywood celebrities would drop into this place. Unfortunately, I never got to go, but I knew some people that did. You had to be specially invited to this thing, but apparently it was a, a fun afternoon of craziness and subtle humor, kind of like Vic and Sade. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was also a huge fan of this show. Now, if you just listened to it and went, what in the world did I just listen to? I guess either you don't get it, or you should listen to it again, or it doesn't appeal to you at all. But it appeals to me. I think it's a really 
well-written, crazy show, but very subtle, very subtle humor from a time that's long gone. We call it the good old days of radio, but that show was a slice of American humor from the 1930s and 40s, uh, basically Midwestern humor from the 30s and 40s, and it's unlike anything we have today. So, all right, back next uh, next week with more comedy, drama, and variety. I think I'm going to ask, since we just played Vic and Sade, and it is a bit of a controversial program from that standpoint, how many of you that just heard this like it? If you like it, please drop a note to me on Facebook or privately or somewhere where I see it and tell me that you like Vic and Sade, and we'll play some more. Or if you want to tell me you hate it, I guess I won't play anymore. <laughs> we'll see. We can have our own little poll here and see who likes Vic and Sade and who doesn't. Uh, I know you just heard two episodes, but hey, there's enough in those two episodes that you either got it or you didn't. So back next week, uh, back on Thursday with uh, adventure programs, and back next week with more comedy, drama, and variety. Check out Facebook, Good Old Days of Radio Show. Check out the website, goodolddaysofradio.com, goodolddaysofradio.com. Tell all your friends. Okay, until next time, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye.